following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. When you guys uh, came in together with the E-Free Church, I have a part with that also. Uh, the uh, ministerium all wanted him to be the chairman of the area. He's, he's natural that way. The thing he's not good at, I, I don't know if you know this, I, I probably shouldn't start with a negative about your pastor. <laughs> we went fishing, and he said he'll put the boat in the water. And <laughs> we got to help him with some of the other things. I, I, uh, anyway. Here's the serious part, the emotions of Jesus, and especially how they relate to the cross. Um, it's, it's the centerpiece of a church, it's the centerpiece of our hearts, or should be, or can be, gradually, and so much is connected with it. When I was little, we went to Camp Free, if we memorized a hundred verses, and the first one we always did, you know what it's going to be, Jesus wept. John 11.35, and it was kind of a lark. Uh, my brother went first. He's older, and he taught me to do things like that. <laughs> Jesus wept, and it's a serious verse. It's a huge thing, and it's important for us to look at it. And I'm going to just take, I don't usually skip around like this, but there's three times in the Bible that Jesus weeps. Where, you, where it's described. I'm sure he cried a lot. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase in the, a way in a manger that says, no crying he makes. Whenever you come to that, just go, no, nah, huh, 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 huh. He was a real human being. He, he grew up uh, as a baby. Uh, he cried. He wet his diapers. He was a true human being. This is the miracle of the incarnation. Whoa! He was one of us. He was one year old for a whole year. He was seven for a whole year. Fifteen was long because he wanted to drive. <laughs> he, he was in his 20s for a year and had the normal temptations, never yielded. But what we know about him is that he was made flesh, dwelled among us. He did miracles, but he also hurt and cried and worked. And when he went to school and was on the swim team, let's say, he didn't walk on water. Hello, he had to learn to swim. There wasn't a soccer game and they'd say, well, we're down seven to oh, put Jesus in. And he goes and they, they win eight to nothing. When he made a, a cabinet for his father or for the carpenter shop, he didn't go, wait till they leave the room and go, let there be a cabinet. No, he nailed. One time, a man at the, at the chapel where I was in Akron, where we were, uh, I asked him to do something. He said, I can't do that. I'm just a carpenter. I said, do you know any carpenters in the Bible? And he had never thought about it. Jesus wept. As a human being and as fully son of God, he had all those emotions. The first time 
is at the resurrection of Lazarus, John chapter 11. And you have an outline on your handout there. If you'd like to follow, you'll at least know about when I'll be done. <laughs> John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Look up in verse 33. When Jesus saw her coming, these are the sisters that are headed his way, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. That's a very nice way to put, he snorted out loud. I say it with deep respect. You know how you cry sometimes or you sob? Jesus was sobbing. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He knows what's ahead. He still cried because in a way he hates death. Death is a twin of sin. But he also was crying clearly, I think, because of Mary and Martha. They were good friends. They're weeping. He weeps. You cry with those who cry and rejoice with those who rejoice, and Jesus did it. Jesus wept is not a verse to go to camp on. It's a verse to help us understand how much he loves us. You guys, he cries when we cry. He feels with us. He knows what a mother feels in the pain of childbirth, but also what we all face in our temptations in life. Do you believe that? He wants you to understand that. He did call Lazarus from the grave. He can do whatever he wishes. But he also wishes to be one of us. And he cried. When Jesus saw her weeping, here's the issue. He, 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 he was moved. Uh, he was crying in verse 33 again. He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? Jesus wept. Men, don't be afraid to express emotion and, and to feel and to know that Jesus Christ feels exactly what every one of us kids feels and every adult. He wept. He knows. The second one is in Hebrews chapter 5. And I'll just read it to you. And this one refers to his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to go to the cross. And it says, this is a very amazing verse, During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. This one is in the Garden of Gethsemane, especially it's referring to, and he cries and moans. And in fact, in Luke chapter 19, it says he sweat drops of blood. You may know that verse. It's an amazing picture of the eternal Son of God who said, let there be light, and there was light, now is moaning, kneeling, and crying about the hour ahead. During the days he sweats drops of blood, he cries. John Calvin, great theologian, says he saw that the sins of all the world and the curse of God were going to be on his back, and that he would take the total sum of human guilt, yours, mine, 
and he would bear those sins and that guilt on his back. And he knows how painful it is. He suspects how painful it is to be separated from God. And he cries. I picture the angels leaning over heaven and wincing. The Creator is crying. The birds hush their singing. In a way, at this time and then when he dies on the cross, soon after this, the earth almost stops spinning. The creator of the universe who once said, there, let there be light, is now moaning and crying because our sins were on his back. It was coming. For the first time in eternity, he's going to cry out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if you believe that or know how crucial it is that we honor God's view of sin and also the view of the cross. He is separated from the Father for the first time in eternity. One man who wrote about pain said, well, whatever you say about punishment for sin, he took his own poison. He dies for my sins and yours. I took a survey once, we took a survey at the chapel where I was back in Akron, and uh, one of the questions was, how do you know you're a Christian? And a lot of people responded to the survey, we had a great reading, and I was so disappointed with some of the answers to that questions that I thought, I must not assume that everybody in the room understands the cross. Yes, we're to believe in Jesus for our salvation, but what is it we're called to believe? We are asked to believe that this is a true happening and that when he went on the cross, every one of your sins was put on him and punished and judged. Tomorrow's and Tuesday's, every one of your sins. And when he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because Newt Larson's sins and yours were on his back and being judged. That's called hell. And when we believe in him, not just say, oh yeah, oh yeah, he lived, da da. No, not a history lesson, a personal trust. I believe he died for me. That becomes valid for us. You will never be punished for your sins if you rest in Jesus Christ. What's more, when you put your faith in him, his righteousness now covers you. Whoa. It says in Romans 4, your faith in Christ is counted as righteousness. And so you live your life with all the judgment of sin complete. It is finished. And with the righteousness of Christ covering you this way. And then live this way in combination with Christ. Is that you? It's not just saying, oh, I believe. Uh, the demons believe and tremble, it says in James. But I rest in Christ's judgment. I accept his gift of righteousness. When I go to heaven, same way with Jordan or any of you, and the angel would say, why should I let you in? We point to the cross and say, I'm with him. That's why Jesus is crying. And I should know that, and my kids should know that, and my neighbors, because so many people think it's just a history lesson. Oh, yeah, he existed. Third time Jesus cried. 
I'm sure he cried many times. Let me be careful. But these are called that, and, and I think there's a good reason for that. In Luke chapter 19 and uh, verse 21, it says he's looking at the city, and he's crying over Jerusalem at this time. It's an amazing phrase. As he approached and saw the city, he wept over it. Luke 19:41, saying, "If you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it has hidden from your eyes. The days will come, and then he speaks of judgment ahead. But he cries over the city. So the second time is judgment of sin, which was for us. The third time, here in Luke chapter 19, is related to his trying to bring the city, Bremen, in that day it was Jerusalem, to believe in him, and they would not. He said, I would have gathered you, in another verse, I would have gathered you as a hen does her chicks under my wings. I wanted to protect you. I wanted to save you. And you would not. And he cries. There's no question that here it's about his mission on earth. He cares about what this church is about. You guys, he cares that you love him and that you tell others about it. He's on a mission. He had said, drink of my water. I am the water of life. When they lit a torch in John chapter 8 on the Feast of Tabernacles, think Thanksgiving season, they lit these torches, and from the back, one historian said there were 100,000 people there for that festival. From the back, a man shouts, I am the light of the world. And it's Jesus. They pour the water the next day from the pitcher. It was a symbolic thing at the Feast of Remembrance and of, of Tabernacles. And they poured water into a pitcher, from a pitcher, into a big bowl. And it was a picture of the, the traveling in the wilderness and the water that came out of the rock. And Jesus stands there and probably again with this huge mob of people and says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me, and I will give him the water of life. And some people did. And some people went, huh? And what do you do? But so many rejected him. Paul the apostle talked about that water in the wilderness. He said the water came out of the rock, and then he says kind of nonchalantly, that rock was Jesus. Jesus is everywhere in the Bible. And here in Jerusalem, he's trying to bring people to believe. And he cries because they won't. I believe, and I want to be careful, that if you're not a believer yet and you've heard it, he cries for you right now. He cares. The one time Jesus described himself, Matthew 11, verse 28, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's, he's a kind of person who would wash your feet, who loves you, and who cries if you're a teenager that still hasn't trusted him as Savior, or an adult who kind of says, not yet. Clearly, these are lessons for our lives. The three times Jesus wept, 
He loves his friends. He loves all people. He's gentle and lowly in heart, and some people are scared of him. And he says, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Whoa. The second time, back in Hebrews, it's a picture of his passion for the cross, but also for judgment for our sin and the need for it. If you don't believe that, you don't even begin to understand. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and God is holy. The first time God the Father describes himself, Exodus 34, he says, I am slow to anger and to judge, but I must someday. This third time Jesus cried, as we see it in the scriptures, is this mission on earth, that he cares about people around right here and where you live. And these give three huge lessons for the church. Will you accept them for yourself? Three goals that are goals for this church. I know your church a little and can be goals for our personal lives. And the first one is that we love people, that we care. Uh, I like to define love uh, I always did it this way in a wedding ceremony, that it's a candle in a candlestick, and there's a flame on the top. The candle holder is the covenant you're going to make. The candle itself is the actions of love, giving and forgiving. Agape love is action to meet the needs of another, righteous action to meet the needs of another. God so loved the world, he gave. The flame in your marriage is the flame at the top, but it only follows when the actions are there. Same with our love for Christ. It's a covenant of trust. I trust Him as my Savior. I enter the new covenant. I believe in the cross, in Jesus Christ and what He did. Then I do the actions of love, giving and forgiving. And the flame of joy follows. If you've lost the flame, it probably is because you've lost some of the actions of love. The goals for the church are love. And then we must believe in judgment. Whoa! We're not here to play games. We're not here to learn lessons only. We're here because there's a big gulf between God and man. He made us. He chased us for 400 years. And after the, New, the Old Testament chasing, he's quiet. And then that's interrupted by the gentle... Knocking on the door of a little inn, a barn almost, in Bethlehem. Do you have any room? And Jesus comes down to take the judgment for you. Rest in that. Will you do that? And the third lesson for the church is judgment and mission. That the mission is to tell people, guess what? The judgment has already taken place. The judgment for our sins is in Christ. And so many people just go, well, why would, you know, why would God ever punish sin? Or why, why does God allow evil in the world? Okay, listen. Look what he did to Jesus Christ for our sake. And someday he will deal with the world. But in the meantime, he calls us to rest in Christ for our judgment. Do you do that? Without a shadow of a doubt, whatever your age, do you rest in the finished work of Christ and then join his mission to help in the world? I hope so. I was 
reading the account uh, several years ago of a San Francisco Giants pitcher. Sorry, the Cubs didn't win that year, or the White Sox, whichever. I don't want to split the church. (laughs) And he was being interviewed after a victory when they won the National League Championship. Can't say his name. Christian. And I read his story, and the press, you know how they do, they kept asking questions, kept pressing. And how, you know, how did you feel when you knocked the guy out or when you hit the home run, in this case, when you pitched the victory? Felt good, you know. And they kept going and going. Finally, he stopped them, a little exasperated, in a nice tone of voice, said, you guys, we're not changing lives. That's right. Baseball is fun, but it's not changing lives. Church is fun, but it's serious. We're changing lives. And the mission of the church is to talk about Christ and to present His love and His care for people and His mission and understand the judgment that happened on Calvary. Do you? It's so easy just to kind of hear it. Be careful. And obviously, the application is this cross means so much for our personal lives. Give thanks every day. When you start your prayer with praise, include the cross a lot of the time. When we say he died for our sins, it's just huge. All your sins are paid for. Don't you ever dare say, I'm being punished for my sins. Nonsense. All your sins were paid for. Now we're to live with this kind of love for people, understanding of the judgment, and mission to the world. So we believe in, do you, and follow Jesus Christ. Is that you? It's a way of life. It includes a lot of things that we call secular, yes, but always at the middle of our heart was, He is my Savior and my Lord. I'm with Him. And you can live that way. Christians do that. They give 10%, 20%, some 30 and more because they care about the world. They wash feet. They do favors. They forgive and forget. They care for each other and love each other. They model in the church. They weep with those who weep. They wash feet. Which, by the way, was Jesus' response, not with words but with actions, when his disciples were arguing as to which of them was the greatest. And without saying anything, when they came to that place, he washed their feet. He had earlier taught the greatest among you would be your servant. We love. Christians also care about the judgment for our sins. We understand the cross. We wear it around our necks. I try to bring it into every sermon. We pray in the name of Jesus because he died for us. We try to bring it up in our conversations sometimes in a careful way with neighbors and friends and kids. Do you understand why Jesus died on the cross? Has it ever been explained to you that Jesus rose again, but also what happened when he died for our sins? 
We need to be able to explain the cross. It's the centerpiece for a church building, for a, for a church uh, purpose in life, and for our lives. We understand the judgment has been paid. Many of us try to bring it into almost every conversation when you have enough time. We give thanks for it. We pray in the name of Jesus, meaning in the name of the one who died with all my sins on his back and rose again. That's the way I get through in a prayer, and you too. Christians also individually accept the mission. We care about villages across the world, and we pray for missionaries we've never seen who are ministering to people we've never understood. Because we believe in the church and in Jesus Christ and his body, the people of God. So we're on a mission. We care about it. Christians give time. Many of the hospitals around here were started way back by Christians or Christian organizations. We give our money. We give our time. We, we serve in the church in little ways and giant ways because we are on a mission. And we accept the same emotions that Jesus Christ had. Do you? That's the way Christians are asked to live. I love to tell the story of a, the Republican national chairman a long time years ago, Lee Atwater. Atwater was known, uh, Time Magazine had a picture cover of him called him the Demon in D.C. He was so mean. He served during George H.W. Bush, who was known as a rather gentle man, but Lee Atwater was vicious. However, he developed a brain tumor, and he wrote about it and said the third or fourth or fifth person who told him to call Doug Coe, he called Doug Coe. Doug Coe was a Christian who ministered behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., a wonderful man. The third or fourth visit, Doug Coe helped Lee Atwater trust Christ as Savior, believe in and trust Christ. The brain tumor kept growing, but Lee Atwater started to grow spiritually for the first time. He did and was discipled, but at the presidential prayer breakfast that Doug Coe started, one year, my friend Ron was there, and at the end of the meeting, I was there once, and Mother Teresa was the speaker. That's the kind of speaker they have. They had a speaker, and then they asked everyone to be seated and they wheeled Lee Atwater in, in a wheelchair. Everybody in Washington knew who it was, but the announcer said it was Lee Atwater. In a wheelchair, he leaned into the microphone. My friend Ron said he could barely talk. He would die three weeks later. And he said, There are only two questions in life. Do you love Jesus Christ, and does it make a difference in your life? And they wheeled him off, and the crowd got very quiet. He died and went to heaven three weeks later, but the questions remain. Do you love Jesus Christ? 
Does it make a difference in the way you live? Let's pray. Lord, help us to learn from the beautiful example of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Help us to feel at least a little bit of the emotions he did and modeled. As you pray, not out loud, but in a quiet way, just thank God for what Jesus did for you on the cross one more time. Thank him that his death and his righteousness cover you. And if you're not sure of that, won't you ask God, help me be sure even today. Help me ask someone and know what it means to be linked with Christ by faith forever and ever. Thank you, God. Thank you for hearing every, every person in the room. Help us to look at life and look at people. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 